0: Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Go ahead and turn to your copy of God's Word if you have it with you today to Ephesians 5 verse 1. Ephesians 5, verse 1. We're going to be looking at 21 verses a day in Ephesians. And it's going to be a feat for me to get through with it in 30 minutes. Somebody say amen. Uh, Let me ask you a question. What's the biggest difference between a thermostat and a thermometer? one simply reads and reacts to the temperature inside while the other changes the temperature inside. Not only reads it to it but also reacts and changes it. And in our lives we're going to have a chance to be either a thermostat or a thermometer in our life. Where either when you walk into an environment you are changed by the environment or when you walk into an environment you change the environment. When you look at the life of Jesus everywhere he went he changed Changed environments. He walked in where there was funerals, dead people got up. Where sick people were at, they got healed. Um, Where there was depression at, he brought joy. He changed environments everywhere he went. And today what I want to do is show you kind of Paul gives the same idea in Ephesians 5 about being a proclaimer or just a participator. Let's pray before we get into this. God, we ask today again that your great grace would be upon us as we look at your word, as we dive into it today. Uh, Lord, help me to deliver your word today where it's understandable and God, it changes the heart, Father. May the Holy Spirit be at work in all of our lives as we listen to your word. And God, I pray that by the end of this message we would all be proclaimers, God, and not participators, Father. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, we've been looking at, at Ephesus now, this city, and this letter to the church at Ephesus for eight weeks. And I'm going to give you the history again of the church at Ephesus. And the reason I do this, let me share this with you, I need sermon filler time. But the reason that I do this is because I want you to look at the Bible, not just as a bunch of, you know irrelated verses and and some holy book. But it is that. It's a holy book. It's infallible. It's inspired. We all know that, right? But it's a letter that Paul wrote to actual people in a real city, in a real time. And when you read the Bible, you've got to understand that. Because if you don't look at it that way, if you just read just quote-unquote verses, you're never going to be able to, to understand that people thousands of years ago were going through the same things that you're going through. It brings the Bible alive. And so that's why I do that. And as you know the city of Ephesus was 250,000 people. One of the largest in Asia Minor. There were no believers there. there. Paul and a couple crazy friends go into Ephesus. He leaves and then there's a church started. And it becomes the most prominent church in Asia Minor. Um, Most scholars believe, I told you this, that in the book of Revelation the other six churches of the seven in Revelation um, were actually planted from Ephesus. The Apostle John scholars believe that he pastored Ephesus Ephesus. So when you read the first, second, and third letter of John, um, you can maybe tie some of that into his time at Ephesus. And many scholars believe that Timothy took over Ephesus. That's why he was fearful, afraid, had stomach problems, anxiety when you read First Timothy and 2 Timothy because he had the largest and most prominent church in Asia Minor. And so when Paul writes to this church, um, you'll see that he's been challenging them on the idea of maturity, but now he challenges them um, to not be participators in the pagan culture that they came from, but rather to be proclaimers to that culture, and that's what we're going to look at today. Paul now challenges them to live a life of gospel proclamation instead of participation in the things of the world. Don't you look at this in Ephesians five one through fourteen? We'll dive into first. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus says, "Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ." He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, he says all that and it sounds really, that's sweet, isn't it? Say, all, Because we should and that's beautiful. But now look what he says here. He gets into um, some, some things to help them. They've been probably battling with this. I told you, if you read it and he's telling them not to do something, they've probably been doing it, right? Just like if you tell a child, stop doing that, it's because they're doing something they shouldn't. So watch what he says in verse 3. It's an imperative. He says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Those things were prevalent in that culture and some of them must have been living by that. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, and I love this here, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. And don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on them who disobey him. Don't participate, you see that? In the things these people do. Don't participate. So what Paul was saying there is that that lifestyle you used to live, don't go to that anymore. Uh, you're God's children. That has no place among you. And I think what was happening is people were confessing Christ with their, their mouth. But they weren't living for him in their life. And that's a, an epidemic in the American church today. Where we confess Christ with our mouth. But our hearts have not been transformed. And Paul's trying to get the idea across that your heart will be changed as well. And look at verse 8. He reminds them. Sounds kind of like Ephesians 2 when we were there. For once you were full of darkness. But now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Verse 10 says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part, don't participate in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. What Paul is doing there is encouraging the church at Ephesus to be Proclaimers, not participators. To be thermostats, not thermometers. Because many of them were actually at a place where they were giving in to the things of the world. They they would go out with old friends and not have a glass of wine. They'd have 30. You can laugh a little louder. Some of y'all got nervous. They would go out and get into the old things they used to be part of. And they were living that lifestyle once again. And Paul says that our calling as believers, their calling was to be a proclaimer to those far from God, not to participate with those far from God. Let me just, and quickly in your notes, write this down. Participators, watch this, forget their own mission. That's your first, number one there. Forget their own mission. That's one thing I tell people who are struggling with addiction, is that man, when you go into those environments with other people, you are on mission from the Lord participate, proclaim in those environments. You are on mission. When you're around non-believers man, God has you there for a purpose to be on a mission. I don't care if it's your family if it's you're going out to, to eat with someone you're on mission. Number two is this uh, participators, not proclaimers participators live for lust instead of love. See, participators live to please themselves, not to please the Lord. Because Paul said earlier, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And so a participator goes out with that old group and begins to, they forget their own mission and they live to please themselves. They do what makes themselves feel good. And I said last week, you have two two choices. Either you're going to live to please God or please yourself. Satan is not your greatest enemy. Yourself is. He's been defeated. Your flesh is still alive, right? Some of you had to struggle just to get to church this morning, didn't you? Your flesh is still alive. And so realize that your biggest problem is yourself sometimes. I remember um, when I first learned this principle, I went to a party with some friends at East Carolina University. I'd been saved for several years. And, um, you know, I was still new to Christ, but, you know, saved. And so I went out to a party with some friends, and there was a house party at East Carolina. And they were all, I mean, going at it. It was a EU party. If you know CU, it's yeah, okay, right. Party school of the East Coast. I mean they were getting down, bonging it, kegging it. I mean they were going for it. All right. And I walked outside, that's where I came from. I was like, ah, I don't really want that. You know, somebody walked by instead of beer there on, on the on the outside with me, say hey, man, take this. Like, ah, I'm cool, man. They just left it and walked off. I'm just sitting there, I'm like ah. You yeah, it's not fun anymore. And as I'm sitting there, this guy walks up, who I went to college with five years earlier at ECU. How random is that? Hadn't seen him in five years. Hadn't seen him since I gave my life to Christ in 99. And Ryan walks up, he's like, hey, Bordeaux, what's happening? I was like, oh my God. We're just like embracing, talking. He's like, how are you doing, man? You know, how are things going? We're so doing really good. He's like, um, man, should you party? I was like, no, nah, I don't really do that anymore, man. He's like, Really? It's so, like, yeah, I don't I only don't really do this. Like, what happened to you? Because I was the partier there. If I could snort it, if I could drink it, if I could smoke it, I would do it. And they all knew me that way. And as he walked up, I got a chance to share Christ with him at a party. At the devil's stomping grounds. <laughs> Sharing Jesus out there. Said, don't, don't go to those evil places. You'll get changed. I learned there that you could go to those environments and affect those environments without be in, being infected by those environments. And I shared Christ with him on that doorstep that day. And it was beautiful. And, but, but I realized, and as he left, I said, Man, if I would have been participating in this, if I'd have been and drinking it up, I mean, tearing it up, I'd have had no testimony. And I learned that night of the difference between being a participator and being a proclaimer. Here's what proclaimers do. Number one, proclaimers invest time on mission. They invest time on mission. What proclaimers do is they invest time with people far from God. All their friends are believers people that they interact with who are non-Christians. we're told you know back in the day that you know you were told get rid of all your sinner friends. Don't have any sinner friends. Get rid of them. And when revival come around like bring all your sinner friends to church. Like we don't have any. (laughs) We got rid of them all. (laughs) We're not friends anymore. So you invest time on mission. Number two is you also as a proclaimer you live in love not Lust. See, lust is doing what's best for yourself while love is doing what's best for others. And when you are the Lord, you live your life always looking about what's best for others, knowing your omission, knowing you've been commissioned by the Lord. So here's what i to do the next few minutes that we have together is walk through verses 15 through 21. I want to give you five principles that Paul outlines of how we walk as proclaimers not participators. And look at the first one in Ephesians 5.15 and the first uh, one in your notes there is this, make every moment count. How do we walk as proclaimers? Make every moment count. Look at Ephesians 5.15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, as Mr. T would say. Don't live like fools. I don't know. I hear that. I hear Mr. T's voice. Maybe you don't. But those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. We don't really know what evil days means here. Um, what we can know is that as we look at this passage, Paul is saying that the world was pretty evil in that day and time. That first century culture in Ephesus was evil. So what he says, the antidote for evil culture is making the most of every opportunity. And see, what we have to do as proclaimers is make every moment Count. See, there was a Greek statue that was called the Opportunity Statue. And they taught in Greece that the statue had no hair, um, excuse me, had a bunch of hair on the front, had a reverse mullet. And it was like me, it had no hair on the back. So can you imagine the reverse mullet? That's not a good hairstyle to have, right? But here's what it's called, the Opportunity Statue. Is you can always grab an opportunity when it's coming, but you can't get it when it's passed. And see, the same way in our life, um, we've got to make every moment count of our lives. Everybody on this earth has the same amount of time. 86,000 seconds per day. You and I both have 86,000 seconds to make every moment count for the Lord. Now, I'm not saying you've got to get a bullhorn and stand on the side of the street and make it count. And holler at everyone who's not going to church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying pay close attention to God moments and God opportunities at every juncture of your day. And it may just be being kind to your neighbor and building relationship with them. I take every moment I, when I work outside of my art and do things to, to, to connect with my neighbors who none of them go to church. I don't know if any of them are believers to make sure that I'm making every moment. Here's the second point this morning. How do we walk as proclaimers and not participators? Here's what you do: keep God's mission in mind. Keep God's mission in mind. And look what he says in Ephesians 5:17. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. The opposite of living a thoughtless life is doing what, Church? Help me out, boys and girls. Living thoughtful it's being thoughtful about your life and everything that's taking place and I would compare that would be living on mission because you have two options in life excuse me, either you live on mission for God or live as you have no mission from God and we have to live as we have a mission from God. What is my mission? Your mission is to live in love and do those things Paul just said wherever you're at. See I think sometimes the will we get right, the will of God is the will of God for this job or that job or do I do this or do I do that? I don't think sometimes what you're doing as much as who you are through that opportunity to people. Because Paul got put in jail. If I told you the will of God for you to go to jail, now without robbing people gospel but I don't that's what will for me but Paul made impact in prison just like he did in the synagogue and so understand that we as believers have to keep God's mission on mind. Um, how many of you guys have ever asked God what do you want me to do let's be honest God what do you want me to do I've asked that I ask that a lot. And here's what God brings me back. Because he wrote 66 books with mission in mind. If I had time, I'd walk through every book of the Bible and show you that the mission of God, even from Genesis, was to reveal Christ to the world and bring people far from God back to him. But here's what Jesus said, two principles. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Now that word go there doesn't mean like you go on a mission trip and you check it off. Like so I went, Lord, I I went and made disciples, I went on a mission trip. I feel so much better now that I live in America, that's not the purpose. Some of y'all got that, right? But the word there is go and as you are going, as you're living daily life, as you're among people, make disciples. Live with God's mission on mind. Acts 1.8 says, but when the Holy Spirit comes on you and empowers you, then you will be my witnesses. He didn't say you will witness, but you'll be my witnesses, meaning that everywhere you go a stamp on your life of who you are living on mission. Here's the third point this morning on living life as proclaimers. The third point is this. Speak life to others. Proclaimers speak life to others. Look at Ephesians 5.18 And don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. I mean that's just common sense, right? Don't be an alcoholic. I mean yeah <laughs> I mean, There's some wisdom in the Bible but watch, he says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord to fill you with his Holy Spirit. To baptize you with his Holy Spirit. To fill you. Because here's what happens when you do that. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. And making music in your hearts to the Lord. See, drunkenness in that culture was a lot like it is in America today. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, uh, he told Timothy, have a glass of wine for your stomach's sake. He told Timothy to do that. These guys, I said, were having 30, 40, and 50. He says that when you're living a life where you're consumed with lust after the world, you can't live a life filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's beautiful when you live a life filled with the Holy Spirit because here's what happens you begin to speak life to others. He says you'll begin to sing psalms and make melody in your hearts, and you'll begin to, to overflow with thankfulness among the believers. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, uh, you begin to, to to get around people who overflow. When you get around them, you feel encouraged by them speaking life. See, the out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can tell what's in your heart easily by what you say. And what you say... Reveals what's in your heart. And so Paul says, let the Holy Spirit fill your heart so much that you overflow where you're speaking life to others. I, this happened to, this experience happened to me um, back when I was working at a concrete plant. And we had to do a lot of shoveling on this plant. I had to keep it clean, rock and sand. I always felt the conveyor belts. And I was training a young man um, to take my place. I was young too. I was like 23 or 24. So um, I was very young then. Still young now. And I was training this guy. And man, I just worked. Man, I just worked hard. I'd always just work hard as I could. And I'd sing. I didn't sing loud. But I sang. I sang solo. Solo you could barely hear me. But I sang. And so um, I would sit there and be, be singing choruses that I heard at church. Like some of you heard today. You know, your goodness is forever. Your mercy. And, and this got far from God. I mean he was I mean he was like I used to be. And finally he stopped me one day he said man he said I'm tired man you just you just never stop working. What's your secret man you always like working and singing and I'm tired. Is that, is that all that water you drink? I said, I said, You drink a lot of water. And I do. I do. God, the staff will tell you I drink. why well, I cleanse my kidneys. Um, and so I, I said, No, man, it's not that. It, it's, it's the Lord. I mean, He's filled me with His Spirit. And He's put a song in my heart, man. He's brought joy to me. And, and you know what? He can do the same thing for you, man. You won't be lusting after parties anymore more than that because you'll have a constant party going inside your heart from Jesus. And see, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you live a life like that, you begin to speak life to others. And everywhere you go, people want to be around you. People want to have that coming into their life. And here's number four this morning. How do you walk as proclaimers? Number four is being thankful in all things. Being thankful in all things. Look at Ephesians 5.20. Paul says, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Being thankful for everything. Um, I take reflection moments throughout the week where I will sit on my balcony or sit somewhere um, and just sit with the Lord and reflect and be thankful. I won't ask for stuff. I won't be worried about stuff. but I'll just say, Lord, I am so thankful. And I'll just list the things I'm so thankful for. Because if you don't uh, do that for yourself, what you're going to do is become ungrateful quickly. And one of the things that, 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 that you're either going to be is be thankful or being a complainer. Now, I'll give you an insight into Kevin Bordeaux's life. Are you ready? I cannot stand constant complainers. I'll be real with you. Drain you? They're like Eeyore. How you doing? Eeyore, Eeyore. You ever seen those people? They're like you know the top people to have list of coffee with. You mark them off and move them to the bottom. As you know, it's like you. Eeyaw. I mean, you leave and you're drained. I like being around thankful people. How you doing, that? man? I'm thankful to be here. It's one thing, Mr. Huey always says. Oldest person in our church. Well, it does more for Christ than most people. How you doing? I'm thankful to be here today. you know, man, that, that's beautiful when you live a, live a life of thankfulness because complaining um, is actually a form of anti worship Do you understand that? There's worship of being thankful to the Lord for how good he is. And then complaining is being unthankful to the Lord. And then I'm going to tell you a secret. As I was reading this this week and I was praying, I felt the Lord just share this with me too and give you some insight. Is that people who complain all the time about stuff and about other people are or will be complaining about you very soon. Don't be bought into that. I just want to talk to you. I just want to complain about you. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hear it. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, they don't like this person. And you, you bite into it. And then you don't realize that they've just gone to someone else because you don't want to be around complainers. Be around thankful people that are thankful, that are joyous in the Lord because that will help you be a proclaimer. I'm telling you, the world is looking for that. They're not looking for pickle juice faced Christians. Good morning. I'm doing fine. I just wish I wasn't at this job. I wish I could win the lottery. I wish I could do this. But be thankful. It will draw people to your life when you're thankful. Here's number five in your final point this morning. How do we walk as proclaimers? Proclaimers work well with others. And I love this in Ephesians 5, 21. That's like you know, going beyond what he just said. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That means when you get with someone, you're looking at their interests instead of your own. It's like, no, 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 you go first. No, 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 you go first. No, 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 you go first. No, 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 you go. I just, no, no, I, you know, you're doing that the whole time. It, it, it's, it's a beautiful dancing relationship with other believers. And, and when you're body of Christ, that's what it should look like that we're operating. We're, we're dancing together in this mission that God has this on, working well together. And people are looking, the world is looking for folks with good attitudes that work well with other people. That's what Paul said to the Philippian church. Look at other people's interests first. Stop worrying about your own interests, your own life, but look to the interest of Others because Christ set that agenda. Let me just share this with you. When you go into any situation, have two words in mind for one purpose. Add value. Add value. Add value. Uh, it, even in, in marriage. In, in my marriage, I want to add value to my spouse's life. I want them to feel like, man, you know, I'm better off because this guy's with me. I don't want them to ever think, whoo, that dude at the cubicle over there, he may trip better than my husband does. I want to add value. When you go to a church or to a job or wherever you go, the first thing you should say is how can I add value to this organization? And that's when you begin to work well with others. You say, um, what can I do to help the situation at Hand. and Amy if you'll come I'm gonna close here with this this morning Paul is sharing with the church here at Ephesus to be proclaimers and not participators and my heart for you is this is not just a little pretty sermon try to put together for you but I want you to leave today that when you leave here you're saying you know what I want to live proclaiming the gospel everywhere that I go I want to be someone that my life speaks the gospel. That I'm not just participating with the world and then coming to church on Sundays and trying to play a game. But every moment I'm living out the gospel. And that's what I want to do this morning is pray for you that God would touch our hearts and that today. date. If you will, just bow your head and close your eyes in here. Bowed your eyes closed. I want you just to, to think right now. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, Kevin, I don't, I don't really know the gospel. I don't know Christ. And I want to know Jesus as my Savior, my Lord today. That you're saying this about Christ and, and all the... He can make you a proclaimer. He can change atmospheres. I want to be that person today, but I need Jesus. Maybe you today you know that today is your day to accept Christ as your Savior. If you feel led today to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, just lift your hands and ask me, Kevin. Today is my day. I came here knowing it's time to get right with the Lord. It's time to give my life to Christ. Anybody, says me. Pray for the rest of you in here. And if you're saying today, Kevin, you're talking about being a proclaimer and man, there's some things that you outlined about being a participator that I'm actually living in and I need the Lord to help me to live with his mission on mine, to make every moment count. To live that God has me on mission everywhere that I go. Pray for me that as I leave here, I would live with this idea in mind. I would be thankful for all things. If that's you, just lift your hands and say, Kevin, that's me this morning. Pray for me. Amen. Amen. My hands raised too. I I want God to burn this into my heart and my spirit. We just pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you for what Paul said to the church at Ephesus. We thank you this morning, God, that we have an example in the life of Paul that we see a proclaimer at work. Now, God, we pray today, all of us in here are asking, God, help us to be proclaimers of the gospel. Help us to live with your mission on mine. Help us to live with your love, God, ready to be shared with the world, God. And Father, as we leave here, we proclaim that our mission field is not the church. It's not even another country, God. It is right in our next door. And Lord, we look forward to seeing lives change, God, through what you're doing today in our hearts. And it's in Jesus' good name that we pray. And everyone said...